0: Hello church, Every Nation Reimsuch. It is so good to be with you this morning. I am super excited to share uh, something that God has laid in my heart, but it's just continuing in the series that we're in, here and now, Mastering Your Monday, where we're just speaking about a particular day that Jesus had, where it was probably one of the most stressful, most difficult, toughest days that besides the crucifixion, obviously, but one of the toughest days that Jesus had on Earth. And over the last few weeks, we've been speaking about it. You know how he found out that his cousin uh, was beheaded. John the Baptist was beheaded. Um, he had to try to get away, but the crowds followed him. He fed the five thousand, a miraculous miracle that happened there. And the day just got busier and busier as he as he went around. Uh, and so we're using this and using this story to speak to you and give, hopefully give you practical tips of how can you master your everyday how can you master your monday because everything is hyped up we're all excited on a sunday we get to see people we get to hear the word and then monday comes and how do we make sure that we can apply some of these things that we learn so have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were going to die now i worked on a on a luxury cruise liner for a while a few years ago more than 10 years ago actually not a few but about 10 years ago and about four or five months in i was pretty comfortable with you know life at sea you know getting used to where everything was on the ship because like i said it's a large cruise liner and we came across this storm. Now, it's not like we had never seen storms or, 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 or anything like that whilst at sea, but generally, I must tell you, with the technology of the day, and it's now been more than 10 years, so I'm sure it's a lot better now. With the technology of the day, there was radar on the ship that gave the captain an opportunity to sort of re-look at things and chart the course so we can go around the storm. On this particular day, That didn't happen. We hit it head on. Now, I'd never been in a situation like this before where I was right in the middle of a storm. Now you can imagine, this is a luxury cruise liner, massive, about 3,500 people on board, 15 levels up, yet it's rocking, like really rocking from side to side, to the point where we even had to tie down some things, furniture and chairs, because we didn't want other people to get injured. Now, just a disclaimer, I didn't think we were gonna die, but there were people around me that thought that we're gonna die. Um, and I was wondering, where's the captain? You know, surely he should have been aware of this. Is he like somewhere you know, hanging out with some guests, having a drink, uh, and letting us just struggle uh, in the storm? Um, but it is a day that I'll never forget. Safe to say we navigated out of it within 15 minutes um, and everything was pretty fine. Um, But have you ever felt as though God is enjoying himself on a yacht, sipping his favorite smoothie, whilst you are clutching for dear life to the deck uh, of this boat as the storm is rocking you? Have you ever questioned God when you wondered why each time you set sail in faith on what he showed you, suddenly the waters of your life turn to angry waves now imagine what the disciples must have felt they were by no means on a luxury yacht or ship they were on a boat a wooden boat a wooden fishing boat a small wooden fishing boat you get the drift this is what the disciples want and this is where i'm going to pick up uh the story And I've simply entitled my message, The Unsinkable Boat. Now, Matthew sort of carefully works out the sequence. Um, In Matthew 14, verse 24, uh, sorry, verse 22 to 23 says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain side by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable, considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So my first point today is when you can't see him, trust him. Now there's a window in your heart, uh, which you can see God. Uh, which you can see God through. And once upon a time, that window was clear, crystal clear. Your view of God was crisp. You could see God as vividly as you could see a sunrise or the grass or the flowers. The glass was clean, the window pane was unbroken. You knew God. You knew how he worked. You knew what he wanted you to do. No surprises, nothing unexpected. You knew that God had a will and you continually discovered what that was. Then suddenly, the window cracked. A pebble, a stone, a rock, a ball broke the window. A pebble of pain. Now perhaps the stone struck when you were a child and a parent left home forever. Maybe the rock hit as a teenager when your heart was broken by that boy or that girl. Maybe you made it into adulthood before the window was cracked. But sure as life is, the pebble eventually came. Was it a phone call? Sorry, we have to restructure the company. We have to let you go. Pack up your things. You have less than 24 hours to leave. Was it a WhatsApp message? I've left. Don't try to reach me. Don't try to call me. It's over. I just don't love you anymore. Was it a diagnosis from a doctor? I'm afraid our news is not very good. It's cancer. Whatever the pebbles form, the result was the same. A shattered window. Now, that stone, that rock, that pebble flew into the pain and completely shattered it. The crash echoed down the halls of your heart. Cracks shot out from the point of impact, creating a spider web of fragmented pieces. And suddenly, God was not so easy to see, right? The view that had been so crisp and clear had changed. You turn to see God, but his figure is distorted. It's hard to see him through the pain. It's hard to see him through the fragments of hurt. You're puzzled. God wouldn't allow something like this to happen, would he? Tragedy surely wasn't on the agenda of the one you had seen. Had you been fooled? Did you do something wrong? Were you blind? The moment that pebble struck, the glass became a reference point for you. From then on, there was life before the pain and life after the pain. Before your pain, the view was clear. God seemed so near. After your pain, well, he was harder to see. You seemed a bit distant, harder to understand, which made him seem distant, harder for you to perceive him. Your pain distorted the view. It didn't just slightly eclipse it, it completely distorted it. Now, maybe these words don't describe your situation. You know, if your life has been a smooth sail and you wake up every day with everything laid out and nothing to worry about, man, I praise God for you. Some people never have to redefine or refocus their view of God, but most of us do, including me. Most of us know what it means to feel disappointed by God. Most of us have a way of completing this sentence. If God is God, then you fill in the blanks. Call it an agenda, you know. Call it, call it a divine job description. Each of us has an unspoken yet defined expectation of what God should do. Say it again, if God is God, then, or sometimes we make it more personal, if you are God, then there will be no financial loss in my family. My children will always be healthy. The world will treat me fairly. I'll always have a job. All my prayers will be answered. The truth is, folks, Jesus is not a ghost. Now I'm gonna explain that, okay? Now these things, these facts that I've thrown out, they're not written down, they're not official, but they are real. They define the expectations we, that's us, you and me, have on God. And when pain comes into a, into a world, when that stone, that missile, that ball comes flying through and splinters the window of our hearts, those expectations go unmet. And many times doubts begin to surface. We look for God, we can't find him. Fragmented glass hinders our vision. He is enlarged through this piece, but reduced through that one. We've all seen it when a window is broken, how it distorts, and there's like sort of a jigsaw that distorts the view. Large sections of the shattered glass just block our view, and now you aren't quite sure what you see. The disciples weren't sure either. Jesus failed to meet their expectations the day Jesus fed the 5,000 he didn't do what they wanted him to do now picture this remember this the 12 disciples had returned from omission Jesus sent them out two by two go out into the world preach the gospel tell people about Jesus tell people about God So they had just returned from the mission and they brought people with. They were followed by an army. So they had finished their training. They had recruited the soldiers. They were ready for battle. They expected Jesus to let the crowds crown him as the king and attack the city of Herod. That's what they expected. Jesus is king. He's the Messiah. They expected battle plans. They expected strategies. A new era, a new day for Israel. But what did they get? Just the opposite, if you remember. Instead of weapons, they got oars. Rather than being sent to fight, they were sent to float. Jesus said, go to the other side, I'll meet you there. The crowds were sent away. Jesus walked away and they were left on the water with a storm brewing in the sky. What kind of Messiah would do this? Again, Matthew is very specific about the order of events. So this is how it happened. Jesus sent the disciples to the boat, then he dismissed the crowd and then he climbed up the mountain. He wanted to be alone. He wanted to rest. It was evening. So it was probably around 6 PM. The storm struck immediately. Now, you know, those storms, I'm from Cape town. We don't get storms. It just rains. Might rain all day but it just rains we know what to expect but ever since i moved to gauteng i realize you know those thunderstorms that just show up they just rock up and then it rains and then they're gone so this was probably one of them it just came out of nowhere the sun had scarcely set before these like massive typhoon like winds began to roar now here's an interesting point to note jesus sent the disciples out into the storm alone even as he was climbing up the mountain he could feel i'm sure and hear the gale force winds now here's the thing jesus was not ignorant of the storm he was completely aware that a torrent was coming that would completely obliterate the sea surface very aware of that but he didn't turn around The disciples were left to face the storm alone. Now the greatest storm that night was not in the sky, it was in the disciples hearts. The greatest fear was not from seeing the storm driven waves, it came from seeing the back of their leader as he left them to face the night with only questions as companions. Now, it was this fury that the disciples were facing that night. Now, you can imagine. Imagine you, you know, sitting in that little boat. Imagine the strain of bouncing from wave to wave in a tiny fishing vessel. One hour would surely weary you. Two hours would absolutely exhaust you. Because remember, you're sitting in this boat and you're trying to row through the storm. Surely Jesus will help us, they must have thought. They'd seen him still storms like this before on this very same sea that they were on a few days ago, they had awakened him up during a storm and he had commanded the skies to be silent. We know the story. Go back a few chapters to Matthew 8, 23 to 26. This is what it says. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Sound familiar? (laughs) But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. What was Jesus' reply? You of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and waves and it was completely calm. Now, some scholars say that you of little faith. I know sometimes when we read it, I know in the past when I've read it, I've thought it was like a rebuke. But it's not a rebuke. It's more like, little faith, I got this. Relax. That's what it, that's what it was. That's what it was, would have sounded like. Nice and calm voice. So the disciples had seen him quiet the wind and soothe the waves. Surely, surely he'll come off the mountain and rescue them. But as the story goes, we all know he doesn't. So their arms begin begin to ache from the rowing, still no sign of Jesus. Three hours, four hours, the winds rage, the boat bounces, still no Jesus. Midnight comes, their eyes search for God in vain. By now, the disciples have been on the sea for as long as six hours. It's a long time. All this time, They fought the storm and they've sought the master. And so far, the storm is winning. The master is nowhere to be found. Where is he? Has he forgotten us? He feeds thousands of strangers and yet leaves us to die. They were probably complaining, They they were done, they were tired. Now, the Gospel of Mark adds some compelling insight into the disciples' attitude. So Mark 6 verse 52 says this, They had not understood about the loaves, so their hearts were hardened. Now what does Mark mean when he says this? Simply, the disciples were mad. They were fuming. They had begun the evening already like up to here with frustration. Their hearts were hardened toward Jesus because he fed the multitude. Their preference, remember, had been to? send the crowds away and Jesus had told them to feed the people but they wouldn't even try they said it couldn't be done they told Jesus to let the people take care of themselves also keep in mind that the disciples had just spent some time on the center stage remember they had been out they had been preaching they had been speaking to crowds so they tasted stardom they were celebrities, they were influencers. Their Twitter and IG feeds were lit. You know, their TikTok videos were getting massive follows. They had rallied crowds, they had recruited an army. They were no doubt proud of themselves. You know, they were like the, the people to be at that time. So with chests a little bit big and puffy, you know, a little bit arrogant you know that you know you've got that arrogant walk I think they had that right and they told Jesus just send them away Jesus didn't what did he do instead he chose to bypass the reluctant disciples and use the faith of an anonymous boy we heard about that a couple of weeks ago what the disciples said couldn't be done was done and remember it was done in spite of them not through them. So obviously, they're now upset, they're pouting, they're sulking, and here's the thing, rather than being amazed at the miracle, they became mad at the master. After all, they had felt foolish passing out the very bread they said could not be made. Add that. Add to that, Jesus commanded them to go to the boat when they wanted to go to battle. And it's easy, so it's easy to understand why these guys are fuming. How many times have we looked past a miracle that God is trying to do in our lives or has done in our lives because it wasn't done maybe according to our timing or according to the way that we expected it to be done. How are you feeling in that moment? It's exactly how the disciples were feeling. Now, what is Jesus up to leaving us out on the sea on a night like this? 1 a.m., still no Jesus. It's 2 a.m., still no Jesus. Now, the wind is raging, they're starting to hear things, they were starting to see things, seeing what's in the distance, all of these things. But his voice is not the wind. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, now they'd seen storms like this before. They were fishermen, they were seasoned fishermen. The sea was their life, so they knew better than anyone else the havoc that these type of winds and storms can bring. They've attended funerals. They know better than anyone that this night could be their last. Why doesn't he come? Finally, he does. Matthew fourteen twenty-five. During the fourth watch of the night, So that's between 3 and 6 AM, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Jesus came. He finally came through. But between verse 24 and 25, being buffeted by the waves, and then Jesus appeared, thousands of questions are asked. Questions you have probably asked too. Perhaps you know the stress of being suspended between verses 24 and 25. Waiting, looking, wondering. Maybe right now you're riding a storm. Searching the coastline for a light. A glimmer of hope. You know that Jesus knows what you are going through. You know that he's aware of your storm. But as hard as you look, you just can't find him. You can't see him. Maybe your heart, like the disciples' hearts, has been hardened because you've got some unmet expectations. Your pleadings for help are salted with angry questions. Now last week, Pastor Carol touched a little bit on stress. Stress attacks the nerves. Storms attack our faith. Stress interrupts, storms destroy. Stress comes like a siren, but storms, they come like a missile. Stress clouds the day, but storms, they usher in the night. You know when you have this massive storm, it's just dark. It ushers in the night. The question that you have when you're stressed is, how can I cope? The question when you're in a storm is, where is God? And why would he do this? The truth is, friends, Jesus is closer than you've ever dreamed. Now, Ironically, I don't even want to call it ironically. I was going to say God, ironically, but I don't think that's a word. But leading up to me preparing for this sermon, myself and my family have been in a storm. We've been rocked left to right, holding on for dear life. You know, we're in the middle of moving home. We're supposed to be moving into our new house, but it's still under construction. So we can't move there. So we had to find a temporary space. It's just so complicated. In the meantime, we find out my daughter needs to go in for an operation. So that stress, you know, it's COVID times. You don't know what to expect. Just the frustration of everything happening at once. And there's a lot of times where we've sat there and we've been like, God, you have said it. You have promised that this would happen. Why is it not happening the way that We think it was gonna happen. And oftentimes, my wife and I, we sit and we think, the only thing we have to do is look up. That's all the disciples had to do, is look up and see that what they were seeing that was blurred wasn't necessarily Jesus. The world throws things at you. And so, as frustrating as this time has been I've had to sit and regroup and be like, maybe this message that I'm preaching is actually for myself. You know, and this is for you as well. If the pebble of pain has struck the window of your heart, if you've known the horror of looking for God's face and seeing only his back as he ascends up the mountainside. This message is for all of those who know the anxiety of searching for God In a storm. I certainly do. It's difficult. The message. Behind the message. Is simple. All the disciples needed to do. Was look up. And remember who Jesus is. He says. Who he says he is. So. You might be. Wondering. You might be sitting there wondering. What's more to life. Why do I need to be here. You know, God, I know you, but I'm just feeling deflated. You know, or you might, be, you might be sitting there and just stressing about life in general, letting life throw things at you. I want you to know that Jesus is who he says he is. And when the storm rages, the one place that you need to look to is you need to look up and you need to remember how clear your view was of God before the pebbles of pain started to strike your windows. The truth is when you can't see him, you still need to trust him. And even when you're trying to see through the storm and trying to make things out, understand that some of the things you might see is not Jesus. Some of those Ghosts from the past, those things that are speaking into your lives, those things are not Jesus. You're hearing things, the wind and the waves are raging and you're hearing things, you're hearing things coming from everywhere. Just be reminded that His voice is not the wind. And lastly, when, you, when you're at your wit's end, when you've been waiting... You've been out on the ocean for nine hours, you've been struggling, you've been fighting, the stress of the world is pulling you down. Your boat seems like it's gonna sink. Just remember, Jesus is closer than you've ever dreamed. And when he gets into your boat, your boat will become unsinkable. So wherever you're at today, you might be studying for your matric. And all of a sudden you realize, Oh my goodness, my parents are having issues. How am I going to focus? Or you might be in university and all of a sudden you don't have funds to pay for your, for your fees anymore. And there's just so much pressure on you. Or you might even be a graduate. You're out of, you're out of university and you're working and things are going well. And all of a sudden you get this call that we don't need you anymore. Or you might even be having the time of your life. God has been so good to you. Everything seems to be going well, but all of a sudden you just feel like, I don't want to be here anymore. And this message is for you. Just a reminder that throughout the storms, throughout everything that's happening in your life, your boat is shaking, the ship is rocking. The course that you thought was gonna be laid out for you to miss those storms, suddenly feels a little bit shaky. Remember that through the storm, Jesus is who He says He is. Father, I thank you for each and everybody that is watching this message. Everybody that is hearing the sound of my voice, wherever they may be, whatever time of day it may be, whether they're watching it live or going to watch it later on. Father, I pray for their hearts right now. I pray for their souls, those souls that have been shattered by pebbles of pain. I pray that even as they are struggling in a storm where their boat is rocking, Father, I pray that you would reveal to them who you are. I pray that you would take them back to, bring back to remembrance the fact that you are Jesus and you are who you say you are. So Father, thank you for Your love, thank you for your grace, thank you for your mercy, and thank you that you will always come through when we need you the most. And thank you that even though you are urgent, you are never rushed. And I pray that we would start to understand your ways and go back to understanding who you are by spending more time with you and learning your ways once again. Remind us that you are closer than we've ever dreamed. In Jesus' name, amen i you.